I don't know if it is just me and me being tired because of VBS, a mission strip, birthdays, relatives in town, but I feel like life is hard sometimes. I feel like it's hard today. I feel like it's hard. It's been hard for a week and a month and maybe two months. Maybe that's you. Maybe life is hard. It's filled with struggles. It's filled with trials, suffering, conflicts, strife. It's hard. And uh, I have to admit that there are times where I don't know how to process through the hardship that I'm going through. Kids, if you're in the room, there's a point in your life when summer break no longer becomes a break. I don't know when that happens, but it's happened to me. And it's hard. There, the, the hard event of school is followed by the hard event of summer, which is followed by the hard event of school again. Life is difficult. So what do we do when we are tired? Where do we go when we are pursued by these hardships? Where do we go when we're the, the absolute end of our ropes and we don't know where to turn? Where do we turn when loneliness seems to overwhelm? Parents, where do you go when your kids are set against you? Kids, where do you go when your parents are set against you? Where do you go when your employer is unfair, unjust, or even an enemy to you? Life is hard. You could probably teach me a thing or two on the difficulties and the struggles and the sufferings of life. So this morning, I want us to look at Psalm 23 as a place where we are reminded of our good God and his great love for us. If you would open your Bible to Psalm 23. And what's true about Psalm 23, and this is what most commentators will know, is this is the most well-known psalm in the whole book. It's probably one of the most well-known passages in our Bible. It's been quoted, referenced, added to mugs, bumper stickers, t-shirts, probably as much as any verse in our Bibles. And there's good reason for that. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful passage. But there is a a real danger for me coming to this beloved passage and saying, hey, I've got all these brand new ideas on this great text. I don't have brand new ideas. And some of us, this passage brings up very strong memories for us. Good memories, hard memories even. But my goal is to not reinvent the wheel as we study this passage, but it is to once again be refreshed by the great truth that it provides to us. So would you read with me Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. This word is different. It's not capital L-O-R-D. It's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And what that is, it's, it's the name of God here. So a right reading would be, Yahweh is my shepherd, and I shall dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. That, that's how it could be translated. And the reason why it's translated as the Lord is because in the original text, the Hebrew writers were so careful to not use God's name in vain that they would remove the vowels from his name so they couldn't accidentally read it 
in an inappropriate manner. And so our Bible translators have tried to do a similar thing and have given us capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. This is the name that God gave to Moses in the burning bush. When Moses said, who shall I say sent me? God says, tell them I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent you. This is the name by which Israel was freed from slavery. It's the name by which God gave the law to Moses. And it's the name by which David himself, the writer of this psalm, was promised an heir who would sit on his throne forever. David knew the weight of what he was saying. And he begins by saying, Yahweh is my shepherd. There are a few characters in the Bible that were shepherds. But when we think of a shepherd, we think of David. We think of how he cared for the sheep, how he fought off the lion and the bear. And so it's not a surprise that David turns to shepherd language in this beautiful poem. A shepherd, for you kids and people who live in the city, is someone who takes care of sheep. But there is a second meaning for this as well. David was a shepherd of sheep in his youth, but at this point in his life, he's king of Israel, and he is shepherd of the people of Israel. And so when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, he's also saying, the Lord is my king. Well, I'm the king of Israel. The Lord is my king, the one who takes care of me, the one who has authority over me. Yahweh is my king, and I am his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The shepherd, a good shepherd, cares for the needs of his sheep. When the Lord is our shepherd, we will want for nothing. Uh, this terminology, want for nothing, is used in Deuteronomy chapter 2, uh, verse 7. I'll read that for you. For the Lord, for Yahweh your God, has blessed you in the work of your hands. He knows you're going through the, this great wilderness these 40 years, the and Yahweh, your God, has been with you. You lacked for nothing. You lacked for nothing is the same word here as you shall not want. When God is your shepherd, you will lack for nothing. You do lack for nothing if he is your shepherd. And so how does he do that for us? How does he make us want for nothing? First, he ensures us a soft place to sleep, a grass and water. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie beside still waters. The shepherd is bringing his sheep and has brought his sheep to wrestle places, to places where they can eat and drink. But we should not miss that the shepherd also makes the sheep lie down here. Uh, Philip Keller uh, spent eight years as a shepherd to understand Psalm 23 better, and he makes this note. It is almost impossible for sheep to lie down unless four requirements are met. Owing to their timidity, they refuse to lie down unless they are free from all fear. Because of their social behavior within a flock, sheep will not lie down unless they are free from friction with others of their kind. If tormented by flies or parasites, sheep will not lie down. Only when free of these pests can they relax. Lastly, sheep will not lie down as long as they feel in need of finding hunger or finding food. They must be free from hunger. The good shepherd is not merely concerned with only certain parts of your life or just certain kinds of pain and suffering. The shepherd is concerned with your physical sufferings. He's concerned with your social sufferings. He's concerned with your medical suffering. He's con concerned with your emotional suffering. 
Our good shepherd cares for and provides for all of your needs, cares for all of your needs, so that you can lie down in the restful places, so that you can rest in him. And David understands rightly that God has caring for him. There's some evidence that when David writes this, he is not in a period of comfort in his life, but he's being pursued by his son Absalom. And so he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down by green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. As the shepherd brings his sheep to the green pastures and still waters, the sheep are provided for in such an extravagant way that they are renewed, they are restored. The word soul here ought to be understood in the same way that me is used in the previous verse. He leads me beside still waters. He restores me. That's the word that would be a, a good way to understand that. He restores me. Robert Alter, uh, a Jewish historian, indicates that the picture of here is, is someone who has stopped breathing and the breath is restored to them. Our good shepherd has restored to us breath in our lungs. He's restored to us life. He has restored to us the newness and joy of life. I think of Psalm 51 where David says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It's the same word. We are restored, renewed. On the, the mission trip, I had several conversations with kids who just told me, I'm at the end. I have nothing left to give. I have given all of my emotional, social ability, and it was only Wednesday. They still had three more days. They needed restoration. They needed to come to the shepherd. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. While God is caring for and restoring David, he is also directing David on the, the paths he should go. See, the good shepherd leads David in the paths of righteousness. And these aren't the paths that lead to righteousness. This isn't a salvation message. But these are the straight paths, the right paths, the, the paths that David ought to be walking on here. It should be contrasted with the, the crooked paths of the wicked. Uh, Proverbs 2.15, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. That's the opposite path that the shepherd takes his sheep. God is bringing his sheep to his place, on his paths. There is no deceit from the good shepherd. He's not tricking his sheep. There's no wickedness on his paths. He does not endanger or tire his sheep unnecessarily. Our good shepherd is bringing his sheep to his place on his paths for his name's sake. And what we have to admit in verse 4 here, that even, sometimes these paths are not always comfortable places to be. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. These paths, sometimes these paths that our shepherd takes us on are filled with danger. David says here that as the shepherd brings him through the valley of the shadow of death, he will fear no evil. And so we should not be surprised, my friends, my, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that we will face darkness. We will face evil. We will face pain and suffering in this life. But in those moments, we are not abandoned by our good shepherd, for he is with us. His rod and his staff will comfort us. And David, in this moment of suffering in his own life, 
looks at all the things that, he could, that are going wrong and says, even though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear this, for my shepherd is with me. It's a poignant picture, I think. And here David transitions from shepherd language to host language. We move out of the field and into the house. And here David lets us know, you, uh, tells us, you have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. God has invited David in to his home to sit him down among his friends so that even David's enemies can see the care that God has for him. This wasn't just about good food, but this was an invitation of fellowship and loyalty. David understood that God was inviting him and that God would remain with him. The anointing cup and over uh, the anointing and the cup overflowing speak to the extravagance with which God is dealing and relating to David. And so David rightly understands God's goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. David ends this psalm with once again reminding us that the source of all this is the Lord. And then in the house of the Lord is where David will reside forever in the presence of God. What a beautiful psalm. What wonderful memories. It's filled with amazing truths and promises. But there's a catch. We're sheep. And the point of this is that as sheep, we can't do this on our own. I can't find the green pastures on my own. I'm not going to find the still waters on my own. I can't remove the fear that I might have. I can't find the right paths. I can't protect myself from the darkness and death. I can't make the table and set it before me. I can't find the goodness and mercy on my own. I'm a sheep. I'm unable to do this. You're unable to do this. We're unable to have this level of confidence, this level of trust, this level of comfort and peace on our own. We're sheep. Psalm is totally impossible on our own. Have you ever told someone who's just really afraid of something to just stop it? Uh, there's a, a skit from Bob Newhart from something in the past. Uh, he's a therapist, and the woman comes in and says she's afraid of small places. He says, I got great advice for you. It's just two words. Um, I don't think you need to write them down. And he just tells her, just stop it. And she's, like, she's like, what? Like, well, do you want to keep being afraid of being locked in a box? She says, no. Well, then just stop it. Uh, and it goes on from there, and it's supposed to be funny. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's funny because we know that we, we can't. We can't just stop being afraid on our own. We can't just deal with our problems on our own. We don't have control over the scary things. We can't escape our enemies always. We can't escape our trials. We can't escape the effects of sin and death present in our world. We aren't able to just rest. Have you ever told a, a stressed out, tired person, well, just, just rest? It doesn't work. We can't do it. It's not our job. And David does not find his rest, peace, and confidence in himself and what he can do, but he found his confidence in the good shepherd's care. And we too need to come to that good shepherd and find our confidence and our rest and our peace there. 
Uh, James Johnston, a, a commentator, rightly outlines this t text in this way. This is a psalm by David about Jesus and for Christians. The beginning of the psalm, it says, Psalm 23, a psalm of David. That's not an editorial note added in. That's part of the text. It is written by David. It talks about his intimacy and relationship that he has with God. It's a great picture. But Psalm 23 is also by the Holy Spirit about Jesus. The one that God promises to David in uh, 2 Samuel 7 is the one that this is about. And so when Jesus in John 10 uh, is speaking, he's pulling the language from Psalm 23 when he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Then jump down, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. The shepherd from Psalm 23 is Jesus. This good shepherd has laid his life down. Don't you see? We don't have to fear the valley of the shadow of death because Jesus went to the valley of the shadow of death for us. While we get this, the presence of God to comfort us, we get the rod and the staff, Jesus goes to the valley of the shadow of death, and he's forsaken Psalm 22, Jesus quotes this while he's on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was in the valley and he was forsaken and abandoned. But because he was forsaken, we could be brought in. Because Jesus submitted to the Father all the way to the cross, we could be brought in and we now have access to his table, not as guests, not as distant acquaintances, but as his children, we have been adopted by him. Through his great sacrifice, he has adopted us, adopted us, adopted us in, where we are now his children and co-heirs with Christ. We can go through the valley of the shadow of death because he already went there and he already defeated it on the cross. He died, was buried on the third day, he rose again. And so Psalm 23 is written by David. It's about Jesus, but it's for Christians. It is for people who know the good shepherd and have heard his voice and listened to him. It's for people who, like, like David, had come to the shepherd and submit themselves to his care, to his love, to his provision, and to his plans. We have a good shepherd. On our, our trip, we were going through a devotional book and it introduced us to different ways of studying the Bible, helpfully, I think. And uh, one of the things it encourages us to do is to look for the promises in a passage. Sometimes they're explicit. Sometimes they're implicit promises that God makes in a passage. And I think that there are some from Psalm 23 that will be help for us, helpful for us to look at. The first promise that God makes is the Lord promises to take care of our needs. Has not God done this for us? And certainly there are times when our, our life is drier than we would like it to be. Our bank account's not as full as it, we would like it to be. Our, our emotional energy isn't quite there. We're tired. Some of you uh, moms and dads who are staying home with your kids over summer break, you know what this feels like. Where you just don't have enough energy. But know this, God is a good shepherd. And he is taking you on the right paths, not for your ease and your convenience, but to bring greater confidence in his ability to satisfy your needs. 
And in those seasons, he has given us all the means to ask for more. It should not surprise us that as Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, he gives them the words to ask for dealing with their daily needs. Give us this day our daily bread. You want to talk to God? You want to know how to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. God cares for your needs. Our good shepherd knows and cares for our needs. Second promise is this. The Lord promises rest. Rest has been on God's mind since the beginning. It is the seventh day of creation. It is in uh, the law of Moses. God desires that we would have rest. Is it so that we would get an extra nap on a Sunday afternoon? Is it in a long vacation? Is it just the five minutes of quiet where you're drinking your coffee before your kids get out of bed? I think David has rightly divided this not a place or even a moment. Rest is in the relationship of the shepherd. Resting is is trusting God to take care of your needs. Trusting that God will give you what you need when you need it. You may be tired. You may not have enough. You might not know where the next step is. Rest in the care of the shepherd who's bringing you on his paths. He will give you what you need in the moments that you need it. Do you trust that God will give you what you will need. And Psalm 23 itself ends with a statement of just confident rest. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's going to dwell in the presence of God forever. The third promise is this. The Lord promises to lead you. If you think about the most stressful moments in your life, it's often ones where you don't know what the next step is supposed to be. For you high school graduates, is it, is it this school or is it that school? Is it, should I marry this person or should I not marry this person? Should I take this job or a, this job? Should I move to this place or this place? Should I parent my child in this way or this way? Should I reward this behavior in this way or that way? Should I punish this in this sense or that sense? And we have these steps going forward and forward and forward. Should I use this treatment or that treatment? These are the stress, most stressful moments when we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know where to go. And we have to trust our good shepherd. I think of Abraham when God comes to him and says, Abraham, I'm going to send you to a place, but I'll, I'll show you when you get there, basically. Abraham doesn't know, doesn't get a map, doesn't get a, a GPS location. He just has to get up and go. He has to trust his good shepherd. And, and later God comes and said, Abraham, I want you to take that son, the one that I promised to you, the one that um, I promised that a great nation would come through, and I want you to take him. I want you to take him to the top of Mount Moriah. I want you to tie him up. I want you to offer him as a burnt sacrifice to me. David, or Abraham doesn't get a, a, a map of what's going to happen. But he trusts God. There are moments where we are unsure of what the next step is. And like Abraham and like David, we just have to trust in the leading of our shepherd. Maybe we depend upon our family members, our church, our mentors, the God's word to lead us and help us make decisions. Sometimes both are equally good decisions and you just have to make a choice. But we trust in the leading of our shepherd in those moments. Next one is, the Lord has promised to be generous with you. As David experienced the generosity of God with an oil head and an overflowing cup, so too God has been generous with us. 
He has given us so much. He's given us his own life in order that we might receive the blessings of salvation. And quite honestly, that is generous beyond measure that God would save us from our sins, that he would rescue us from sin and death and the burdens of this world. But it's more than that. In 1 Peter uh, 1, 4 and 5, he says that we are saved to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We have a great inheritance. It's not that just we're saved from our sins, it's that we're adopted into his family, that I am a co-heir with Christ, that I receive all the blessings that only Jesus deserves because of the generosity of the good shepherd. We have received a guarantee of God through Christ to the end of our life, here and always. The final promise is this. The Lord promises goodness and mercy today. I have read Psalm 23 a lot of times in my life, and I've always thought, man, someday it's going to be great to be in that green pasture. Someday it's going to be great to be by those still waters. I can't wait till the moment when this happens. But the truth of this promise is it's true for us today. In verse 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. This truth is here for us today, and it will be tomorrow and all the days of your life. This does not free us from difficulty, and David has experienced difficulty a lot of times. I can't think of many people who have been almost killed or pursued more than David. But he understood that God's goodness and mercy is pursuing him. In, in Matthew 18, Jesus uses a, an example of a shepherd who leaves his 99 sheep to go out and pursue one lost sheep and bring it back to the flock. That's the picture here. God's goodness and mercy pursues us. It follows us. It goes after us when we're lost. It goes after us when we've run away. It goes after us when we've failed. It goes after us when we've sinned. And he does not pursue us with judgment and condemnation that we rightly deserve. He pursues us with goodness and mercy. There's a, a video of a sheep that's stuck in a hole. And the shepherd pulls the sheep out, and the sheep does an arc and goes right back into the hole. It's Sheep aren't bright. We fall in the same holes, we fall in the same traps over and over and over again. And what we're pursued with is not anger and judgment and wrath, but we're pursued with the goodness and mercy of our God who has died for us, who has gone to the valley of the shadow of death, who has died our death and has demonstrated his victory over that. We have a great shepherd. And so, yes, life is hard. It is filled with toil and strife. It is filled with pain and suffering. We live in a world marred with brokenness and sin, You've experienced it. You are experiencing it. David longed to live in the presence of God forever because that's where he found his rest, his joy, his peace. And we too need to rest in the solace, in the presence of our God. We need to submit to his shepherding care. We need to trust his provision. We need not to fear dangers because our shepherd cares for us. I, uh, I have a couple of small kids, and so I read a lot of kids' books and uh, kids' Bibles. And uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible is good from kids age 1 to about 107. Uh, it is just an absolutely tremendous book to read. 
Um, in this book, uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones paraphrases Psalm 23, and we're going to finish here. I'll read it and pray, and then our, our music team can come up. It's just, uh, it's just Psalm 23 paraphrased. God is my shepherd, and I am his little lamb. He feeds me, he guides me, he looks after me. I have everything I need. Inside, my heart is very quiet. As quiet as lying still in soft green grass in a meadow by a little stream. Even when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He is here with me. He keeps me safe. He rescues me. He makes me strong and brave. He is getting wonderful things ready for me, especially for me. Everything I ever dreamed of. He fills my heart full of happiness. I can't hold it all inside. Wherever I go, I know God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love will go to. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we face the trials of our life, as we face the suffering and the pain, may we be renewed in the fact that you are our good shepherd. You care for our needs. You're there with us as we suffer. You are preparing a place for us. God, as we face this, may we find our joy, our hope, our peace, and our life in your care. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.